television is where all the big risks are being taken, where the most exciting work is happening. And this is a festival that celebrates that. Finally, there's an independent avenue for people who want to just go into the TV business. It's just wonderful to have an outlet for all of the creativity that's happening in television and in new digital media right now. The fact that there's this, there's Series Fest, which allows you to put it in front of an audience and gives you a platform to put it out there. Like that's the most impactful thing as artists that we can ever hope for. Hi, I'm Randy Kleiner. And I'm Kaylee Smith Westbrook. As the co-founders of Series Fest, we welcome you to Breaking In, a Series Fest podcast. In 2015, Series Fest began its mission to champion and empower artists at the forefront of episodic storytelling by providing year-round opportunities for creators and industry experts to connect, collaborate, and share stories. We are thrilled to expand our mission with this podcast as we talk to working professionals in television and gain insight, advice, and hear their journey of breaking in. Today, I'm speaking with Jacqueline Peretta, a writer, producer, director, and comedian who is passionate about creating comedy that comments on the culture and our universal struggle with identity. She has written, directed, and produced over 20 comedic shorts and musical parodies in NYC and on her YouTube channel, including her weekly satirical news show, The Ethnically Ambiguous News Hour. Her comedy has also appeared on True TV, Funny or Die, Mas Mehor, Hoo Ha Ha, Brown Girl Magazine, The Women in Comedy Festival, and Brooklyn Comedy Festival. She is a proud alum of the UCB Sketch Program and was a semi-finalist for the Sundance New Voices Lab in 2017. Most recently, Jacqueline wrote, directed, and produced her half-hour comedic pilot, Generation Porquet, which was a 2020 official selection at Series Fest and was licensed by HBO and HBO Max, which began airing in May of 2021. Hi, Jacqueline. Hi, Kaylee. It's so good to see you. It's so good to see you too. We didn't get to connect last year during the whole virtual festival. I'm so bummed that we weren't all in Denver together uh, for your premiere. I know, and you all did such an amazing job. Oh, thank you. So tell me about it. I mean, we have a lot to talk about. I want to hear more about your comedy and your other career, but like, let's start with Generation Porquet and the idea and why you made it into a pilot and, and just, yeah, tell me about it. Yeah. So this, this is inspired by my life. I'm the child of Cuban immigrants. I was born here and I'm considered a first generation. So anyone born in the U S and their parents are born somewhere else are considered first generation and growing up, you know, like I spoke Spanish at home and my parents were very strict, but I grew up in the suburbs with like very liberal, progressive friends. And it was always kind of hopping between two worlds, you know, kind of like the traditional and modern. And I always loved comedy. And I remember watching like Sex in the City and all, of, you know, like girls and stuff. And I used to think to myself, especially with Sex in the City, I'd be like, Okay, so Carrie is like out with Mr. Big and like the mom's not calling. Oh, okay, like asking when she's going to be home because my parents were so involved and they still are so involved in my life and my decision making. So it was just always so funny. Anytime I would watch comedies or shows about women in the city or chasing their dreams, I always ask like, where are the parents? And that's what it really was inspired by. So my uh, generation Porque is about a girl named Jackie. No relation to me, guys. <laughs> none, none at all. 
Not at all. Um, who moves to New York City to chase her dreams while she endures her very Cuban parents that live in New Jersey and, you know, vote conservative. So that's the genesis of it. Um, that scene with the Republican cup and I was dying. It was so funny. Yeah, the the parents, I just, the actors and the writing and everything was just so funny. And I think so authentic and clearly very uh, true to, to your life, I, I, I could tell. So how long did it take you to shoot the pilot? And yeah, tell me about the production. Yeah, so it took six days overall. It would have been five, but as anyone who's listening, when you're like a, a new filmmaker, and this is the first time I ever shot something 30 minutes, I was used to shooting mm. comedic shorts, things that were shot over like a day or two. This is my first time in a full-blown production with like a full crew. And by full crew, I mean the boom guy, DP, and, um, you know, uh, no, boom. Did you just say, I just said boom guy. <laughs> yeah. So the sound mixer and like a PA. So it was a very small set. Um but yeah, I did so many rookie mistakes that we actually had to make an extra day. So for everyone listening, do not shoot like at 4 p.m. a day scene when you're losing light outside. I had no idea. So I scheduled a scene to start at that time. I lost the whole day. But it was amazing. It was super, you know, guerrilla filmmaking. Everyone that was a part of it wanted to be there. Um, all of our locations were donated. I shot at my cousin's house in New Jersey. Uh, I shot at my apartment in New York. We shot on the street. Um did you did you do auditions or did you know those actors? No. What's really funny is the casting process was basically me just seeing people's work and following my gut. Uh, Andrea That's Burns, awesome. who plays Mommy on the show, she's a pretty well-known Broadway actress. She played Daniela in, in The Heights in, in 2008. I saw her on Broadway. This is the first time I've, I had ever seen her, worked with her, and something inside me was just like, this person reminds me of my mom, and I never forgot her mm. performance and how she made me feel. And I actually reached out to her because of that. And I wanted her to play the mom. Um, and then That's the amazing. dad to Sandor. I had never seen any of his work. I saw him on a panel talking about a film he was in. And he was hilarious. But then he also became very emotional and moved by the work he was talking about. So I knew him too. And then the woman who plays the Mel, I actually met her on the street. We were both walking to an audition. And some something just about her energy, um, I just wanted to talk to her. And then we actually became close friends. And she worked with me on projects before this. And then Manny, who's played by Melvin Lima, who's also Cuban, which was fun. I saw him in a comedy short. My editor was actually editing another comedy video I did. And he was like, Jackie, you do comedy. Can you give me some feedback on the short I'm editing? And I saw him in this short. And immediately I said, that's Manny. So it was oh, literally, wow. yeah, there was no auditioning. The Zumba students in the in the short were my actual right. Zumba students because I used to teach Zumba. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No actors and they did a fantastic job. Oh my gosh, that's great. Yeah. They're one of the actresses, her look at you was like priceless when you came in. It was uh it was really great. So I know you come from UCB. Was everything scripted or was any of that everything improv? was scripted all of the scenes, some of the scenes were definitely improv and we let the camera roll. And also Sanor Juan and Andrea are amazing improvisers and they can also do it in Spanish. And they had such amazing chemistry. So we just let them roll. But a lot of it, not a lot of it, but a fair, the parents especially was improv, but everything was scripted. Wow. And, and you've directed a lot in the past, but this was, was this your first time 
directing and acting at the same time, or you're just used to to that and that's what you've done for all of your other projects? That's what I've done for all of my other projects, but this was so different because this was a, a character. And then on top of it, I had produced everything. Um, and this was just directing something long form and something where you built a world versus like a, a very quick, like short comedic sketch, which was I, I was used to doing for like four minutes mm. or less. It was, um, it was, it was different. It was a lot more challenging. I felt like it was like a different mountain I was climbing with this, directing it. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of work to be in front of and behind the camera at the same time. I'm curious for our listeners and someone who's stepping into long form and going to go shoot their first independent pilot. What are some other things you learned about switching and starting to do something longer? Oh my goodness. Well, first of all, I think you just have to have, for me, just an open mind and an open heart that things aren't going to go your way. And I'm not even trying to be negative, but there's just so many more factors. And especially if you have a lot of different locations. Um, Also, my biggest piece of advice is aside from being super passionate about the project that will get you through, work with people that really want to be there and that know it's indie filmmaking and know that it's no Mm -hmm. frills. So there's no surprises on set. Everyone knew this was super low budget. There wasn't going to be this amazing crafty that we were going to to be working long hours that we would have to stop for sound if we were outside on the street because we had no permits. I don't know if I should say that, but we had no permits. So it's fine. It's it's independent. independent. We get it. We get Um, it. It happens. So that's the biggest thing. And then also get the script as tight as you can. So then when you're shooting, that's one less thing you have to worry about. Did you have other producers working on it with you or were you really the hands-on producer doing everything? I had one producer, Dana Zoli, and she also served as the first AD as well. Definitely have a first AD on set if you can, especially if there's like a bigger cast. Yeah. Yeah. She, and she helped a lot, but in terms of like, I also did the wardrobe, you know, we'd like scout locations together, but I kind of did the bulk of it. And then we would finish setting everything up and I'd be like, okay, I have to act in this now. Like I have to (laughs) become this person. Right. Yeah. Yeah, It's a lot. How much prep time did you give yourself to if you knew you were going in and doing that? You're looking at me like not enough, like two days. Um, What's really funny in terms of prep time for me, do you mean like scouting locations and stuff or just acting wise? uh, Well, we can talk about both, but I I was thinking production wise, like how long, you know, if you knew you were going in this and you were basically producing it and directing it, how long did you give yourself to really prep and... Honestly... For this, because I had the locations, I gave myself about two weeks before. I know that sounds crazy, but I kind of knew also everything was kind of set up like the house was going to be the house that I knew I was going to shoot at the gym. And it was really just two weeks of um, nonstop kind of uh, scout locations. And I knew where I wanted to in the street. And that's another thing too, have like a really strong vision of what you want to see, because that'll make the process so much easier, like pre-production, because you already know what you want. You already know what the character wants. So having that is super important. So what about the acting? Because, you know, you were in a way playing yourself, but at the same time, not. Clearly, these are, you know, scripted words. That one, I don't think people realize how, um, not laborious, but with acting, you have to do it over and over again. And you definitely have to put yourself in that person's shoes. And it it, it also is a craft. And I also, um, like, I studied acting and stuff. And in terms of the parents, we didn't have that much rehearsal time. That's one thing. We didn't have too much rehearsal time. Mm. And what's amazing is that my gut just told me correctly because I feel like everyone has amazing chemistry on set. And we all kind of found out that day if we had chemistry or not reading together. 
Wow. So you never did a table read or anything. You guys just showed up on set and that was it. No, we never did. I had, I did a mini table read with two of the actors when this was a web series. So I knew oh. that they were, they were good in it, but Andre and Sandor who play mommy and Papi, they literally met that Thursday. We shot Saturday and they had an hour rehearsal. That's how amazing, like what amazing actors they were and the chemistry between them. So what was the original concept then as far as structure? Because you just mentioned web series and we're now seeing it as, well, was that Series Fest as a pilot? So you clearly thought it out as a TV show and now it's on HBO Max and it's considered a short, um, which basically we're learning content is content is content, right? But but what? how did you originally, you originally thought of this as a web series and you went to shoot it that way and then turn it into a pilot? What What was the process there? I had always wanted to do a web series because I wanted to make a season of this. I Mm -hmm. saw this as a show. And for me as an independent artist, I said, okay, what's going to be the most, the easiest and most economical. And at that time too, web series, how they could really taken off. So I thought that was the best way to get, um, and especially like the, yeah, the short form content became more popular, but it was always a web series. And then it got into like the semifinal round of Sundance and the producer Dana Zoli on this she read it and she's like, you should just turn this into a pilot. Like there's so much good stuff. And she read the other episodes. So it became the pilot that way. And I think that's the way it was supposed to be. Got it. So this was the project you submitted to Sundance then? Yes, but it was a web series. It was short form. Yeah. It was only 15, yeah, 15 minutes. And of course, you know, each character has an arc and it'd be like a whole, you know, like a little mini series Bible type right. of thing. So then tell me what happens after from Series Fest, June 2020 to now May 2021. It's on HBO. What was that process like? How did you license it? So HBO saw it. um, And this is before Series Fest. And they loved it. And then once it started doing the festival rounds, and of course, they had heard about it again and saw it again in the festival circuit. That's when they really decided that they wanted it on the on the platform. How did, how did HBO see it? One of the um, SVP saw it. Wow. Yeah. Through the festival circuit and through word of mouth type of thing. That's amazing. Yeah. And it's H and then it was the SVP of HBO, HBO Latino. They were like, this is perfect content for us. It's like Spanglish. It's, you know, someone born in this country to immigrant parents. It's more of the perspective of a, of an American, um, person with Latino parents. So they really loved it. And it was a comedy and they were looking for that sort of content. So you always saw it as multiple episodes. Are you thinking about doing more now that, you know, the pilot or the short is, is now streaming and airing or have you talked to HBO about maybe coming on? Absolutely. I mean, we're, we're still, it just premiered, um, but we all, the cast, we still want to make more episodes and I still want to tell the story. And that was always the intention so hopefully somehow it gets a series pickup or it streams somewhere. But either way, I still want to make this, even if it has to be the indie way, which is raising money on our own. But the the reaction has been like astounding. Everyone loves it. It's really resonating with people as well. So we're just really hopeful and we'll see. But we definitely want to make more episodes for sure. And I think people are really thirsty for this content and especially it's like very subversive comedy and it's very specific to the Cuban American experience, but anyone that watches it, they're like, Oh my God, those are my parents. Apparently those are everyone's parents. (laughs) These Cuban conservative parents are everyone's parents. So it's really, it's super universal. And I really love that, especially now. Absolutely. I mean, 
my family's Jewish and I, I, it, it wasn't as intense as your, as the mother in the show, but like, I definitely related with, with my mom. Um, I mean, my mom and I, every night before bed, I have to text her goodnight. I love her. Yes, I am. I am a turning 38, but if I don't say goodnight, she gets really upset. She just wants to know, like I'm in bed and I'm safe. I'm like, yes, I'm, I'm married and I'm 38 years old, but I have to text my mom before I go to bed every night. Kaylee, it's so funny you say that. It's so true. And a lot of my friends from high school and college, I grew up in a very suburban neighborhood. And a lot of my friends were were Jewish and all of them were like, Jackie, did you draw on our parents too? I was yeah. like, of course. I drew on everyone's Everyone. Yeah. They're like, it's my Jewish mother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. Generation Porque is just really like a love letter to my parents, to chasing mm. our dreams, you know, to like coming of age. I love coming of age comedy. Yeah. And I love them too. Yeah, so this is really my love letter to that era and chasing our dreams. I feel like everyone has some sort of dream, and I'm a very nostalgic person, so I'm like, I love writing about chasing dreams, and you know, but through the lens of having immigrant parents, which is even funnier. Yeah, absolutely, and and very interesting, and something we haven't really seen a lot. Yes, yes. So has that been a theme in all of your comedy? Because your comedy, I mean, has been all over the place, um, <laughs> which is awesome. So is that yeah. some, is that like a theme that follows through in all of it? It does. It's funny. I always say that my, I always comment on the culture and identity mm. and not so much identity in terms of just like me being Latina, um, more of like, again, come coming of age, like who, who are, who we're becoming, how society shapes us, how the culture shapes us. Um, and I also love satire. So I feel like that's always, that's like the through line to my comedy. And I love going there. Like I love crossing, like going to the line and like putting my toe in, like the line you're not supposed to cross. Right. Um, yeah, I feel like that's, that's a through line. And then also I love comedy with heart. I love, I always say like humor and heart. I love yeah. like you're laughing and then you're like, why am I crying? Totally. I shouldn't be crying. I'm supposed to be laughing. I love comedy that's really rooted in love. And yeah. That's what I think the theme is in a lot of my work. And when did you start making all of your shorts and really getting into comedy? Is this something you've been doing since a child? Is this something that you found later in life? It's, I definitely, I was always like the little comedian in my family, for sure. But I always just wanted to do acting. And of course, having really strict Cuban parents, they were like, no, you're not going to school to become an actor. So I majored in broadcast journalism. I was like, I can major in TV. Like, I can be on TV. And then my parents... And society will accept it. And that, you know, has a little more job security. Um, but no, so I had worked for uh, a U.S. senator's office. Like I went to the government right after college. Because again, I was like very into journalism and that's what I majored in. But then the the acting and comedy bug started calling me. And then I finally moved to New York and I went to the William Esper studio for two years. UCB, and I was actually auditioning a lot. And I was actually booking pretty big gigs and I was kind of living my dream, how I thought it would be, which is to like be on TV and like work on these cool roles. And then I got into one of those diversity showcases, like a big one. And I absolutely bombed and fell on my face. Oh, wow. AKA I showed up and I didn't really know my lines. Oh, no. Yes. And I'm like the most prepared person I know. I'm super what committed happened? to everything. Exactly. <laughs> All my friends are like, how did you do that? And I remember reading the sides. It, it was for a TV show that's no longer on air. And I remember being like, women don't talk like this. I, I don't like these words. I can write these better. 
mm. type of thing. Like I just didn't connect to the material. And from that day moving forward, I like made a promise to myself that I would only speak words that I wrote at wow. that time. Yeah. And that's when I started doing shorts. My first short ever I shot was called Hangry. It was like the just, it was a parody of the Justin Bieber video. Um, sorry. Yeah. Hangry. <laughs> and we learned the dancing and it was literally, we shot in a bunch of different locations and I had such a blast and I had never produced something. I didn't even know that the DP was not the director. I thought whoever held the camera was the director. I know I'm like outing myself here, but that's how I had no idea, but I just was so committed to doing this thing yeah, and um, shooting it. And so people were like, oh, so you're a producer and you're a director. And they were like, do you scout the locations? They like said all the responsibilities of a producer and director. And I said, yeah, they're like, well, that's what you are. But I had even no intention of that. I was like, I just want to say this thing. Mm. I just want to experiment. I want to create my own stuff. And that's what kind of really set it off. And once I started doing that, I kind of built my little tribe around me and I and I didn't stop. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I would not say then that you fell flat on your face at the diversity showcase. I think I think you I, I would look at that. I'd rewrite that and say like you had a major aha moment, you know? And like It was. It was. I yeah. I meant in terms of acting. I just remember being so embarrassed. I was like, the producer was like, I can't. She was like, how can you come here and not know your lines in front of everyone? Remember, it's a showcase. You're all in the room together. I was like, oh my God, this is what like dying feels like. I want to die of shame. Oh my God. <laughs> it sounds like one of my dreams. I have dreams like that. I think I had a dream like last week I told my husband and he was like, that's like the actor's nightmare. Babe, you know, where you get there and you don't know your lines or, you know. But like you said, no, it was, it was a huge aha awakening moment and it just felt very clear and right. And it was like, you have to, you know, write and start creating your own stuff. And I really started to apprentice myself to the craft, you know, I enrolled in writing classes and really, really learned. Yeah, that's great. So at UCB then did you do, I know they do sketch classes and I know they also, I, which I've done, which is like the improv classes. Did you do both of those? I did both, but I completed the whole sketch program and oh, wow. I highly recommend that program or just any class that gets you writing and that you have a deadline each week. You know, you have to workshop something because most of the sketches that I produced on my own, I wrote for those classes and then just ended up producing them. Right. Like the ones that got the biggest laughs or the ones people connected to the most, I ended up producing on my own. Great. And so what are you working on now? What's like inspiring you? I mean, I know clearly you've been very busy because Generation 4K just came out and you, you shared earlier you're doing a lot of press. Uh, but what creatively is inspiring you and what are you working on? So aside from writing more episodes of Generation 4K and working on that, I'm actually working on a Zumba rom-com film. Awesome. Like, I know it's like something you didn't know you needed until you hear it. You're right. like, yes, I need a, I'm a huge, like uh, dance film nerd. That's great. That sounds super funny. Yeah. It's so much fun. And then I'm working on another pilot too, as well. Um, and also another sketch series called Hispandering, which is like subverting Latina stereotypes. That's so. really funny. That's great. Yeah, yeah. And that's more short form. So I want it to be yeah, like a short form sketch series. I'm curious, what are some things you've learned in the past year with the licensing part of it? Because I think, you know, a lot of our creators, you know, they are trying to sell their pilot or do what, you know, you did, um, which is license it. What was that process really like? And what did you learn from it? I think 
for me, because the deal is long, I was a little more hesitant because I was like, oh, I want to keep making more episodes and blah, blah, blah. But for me, it's kind of, you just kind of have to interrogate what you want and think about what you want. And for me, I was like, I want to share this with as many people as possible. It can just be one episode for now that's considered a short um, while I can keep making more. But if you do have the opportunity to license something, as long as they're, it really depends. Because if you want to keep working on it, as long as they don't own the characters and that world, I absolutely would do it which is in my case, but it really depends on how completed the project feels for you. So if they're not licensing a series, um, if they're only licensing one episode, I would, you know, I would totally do it. And if they don't own the characters, um, but if, and if you want to continue working on it, but if you don't, then you can also go down that route. Hmm. Yeah. But it's just, you know, licensing too, it's more of like the business legal side. So just really surround yourself with good people and to have your best interests at heart. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just like really think about what you want and just don't jump towards anything. Cause you're like, oh my God, H- HBO wants to license this. It sounds amazing. But again, just like take the time, get a lot of opinions from other people around you in the industry, other people that have licensed before, you know, before you take that step. Right. That's the, that's the, the biggest thing. How long is it licensed for? Two years. Awesome. That's so great. Yeah. I know. So it's very exciting. And for people and anyone can just watch it on the platform, which is so much fun. And HBO Max is great. They've they have so much good stuff on there. So Oh yeah. It's so and again, I was excited too because I want that's another thing too, licensing. Make sure you want your content to be associated with this platform's content. Yeah. You know, just don't jump at something because it's commercial or millions of people will see it. Yeah. Just make sure it feels good in your in your gut and in your soul. And for me, I was like, this is perfect. I've always wanted this to have a home on HBO somehow. So it was literally just like a dream come true in that way. Right. That's amazing. So so since you made that decision that you only wanted to say your own words, <laughs> are you still auditioning? Will you say other people's words or are you just done? You're like, I'm creating for myself and, and that's it. I mean, it depends. Like if something really moves me, but I just really love creating my my own stuff and it's funny because that's what's opened up the most doors for me Mm. for I've kind of like opened them up for myself and I think you can really show people who you are in your heart and what you can do it's like a very empowering thing to do as well but I would absolutely and I've read and I've done like little things here for my friends but I think at that moment I was just like you need to focus on creating and you need Mm. to focus on writing and building these worlds yeah I mean, really smart. I think, you know, it's uh, hard to break into the industry as an actress. And I think creating things for yourself and being inspired to do that. And I love your story and, and what you said of of how that came to be. Yeah. And I encourage everyone too. And it's okay to start over or to realize something's not working for you. And I still love acting, but I realized at that moment, like the voice of God, whatever you hear, the aha moment was, you need to be focusing on this right now. Mm. And again, everyone was kind of like, what are you doing? Or like, oh, you're not auditioning anymore. Or just like, oh, I haven't seen you in something in a while. Right. And you just really have to be so focused and put your blinders on and just really follow your heart and your gut. And I know everyone says that, but it's, you really do. And that's the hardest, it's really simple, but it's the hardest thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And even with the, um, one more thing, even with the pilot, you know, we, I, we had written it as a pilot and we were trying to shop it around and producers would like it or people would be excited and they weren't you know, ready to produce it or they wanted to change some things. 
And that's when I said, nope, I'm going to do this my way. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm going to see. Yeah, because they didn't see, you know, they didn't really see the vision. So I was like, okay, I'm going to show people it. Right. And that's Absolutely. really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, congratulations um, on the Thank success you. and selling it and, and licensing it. Um, before we hop off, I have a question I've been asking everyone, which is, if you could have worked on any television show in history, what would it have been and what would you have done on it? Oh my goodness. This is so easy. Okay. The Office. Okay. And I would have written on it for sure. Or I would have been um, Kelly Kapoor for sure. Cause she's like Jackie on speed. Like I would, it would, it would have been so great. Yeah. If I could have been like a more like stereotypical Latina character in the office. Yeah. That's some of the smartest writing I have ever like encountered on TV and it's so universal and they're like really push the envelope, but it's also so heartwarming. So yeah. hands down. It's funny. I, I didn't have to think. I was like, the office just came to mind. That's awesome. That's a great answer. That's a good question. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and for your time and your insight. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I love Serious Fest. I was honored that you guys asked me. You guys have been a huge uh, part of my artistic journey, and I really respect and love you all as people. And you know how you guys really stepped up during the festival that year, uh, last year, during a really crazy time. So I really appreciate all of you. I really do. And I hope everyone applies to Serious Fest as well. Thank you for tuning in for today's episode. Series Fest is a nonprofit organization, and our work would not be possible without our incredible board of directors, staff, and partners who make programs like this podcast possible. We have ongoing competitions, initiatives, and mentorship programs year-round, so please check us out at seriesfest.com and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook to stay up-to-date on announcements. This episode was edited by Neil Trulio with original music by Adam Westbrook. <laughs>